Happy New Year. That sounded like a Christian chant. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Indeed. Uh, we did this last week. I just want to see if anyone upped their game. Who's got resolutions? Who's got a resolution this year? Who's got a goal? Because they didn't want to fail at a resolution. You got a goal? We have one goal setter. Well, I'm doing my job, fam. You do yours. Um, there's an amazing uh, app that I've enjoyed. It came out, I'd, it's out on Android now as well. Um, it's the Bible Project app. And it's really fun, the way that they do it. There's videos that teach you how to read the Bible and teach you about themes in the Bible. So if, you're, if you've ever wondered, like, how do I start this uh, whole Bible thing? Um, other than just reading the Bible, which I highly recommend, um, it's a good app that gives you a lot of tools. And as with all things, um, I don't agree with everything that any one person says. Even when I read the Bible, I get frustrated. If you read the Bible and you're never frustrated or challenged, you're probably not reading it slow enough. Um, because God is God and we are not God. We are bags of dirt that are breathing until we don't. And then it's, it's all gone. And I'm just going to say up front, I need, a, I need a pass from you today. If I cry, you could just say, it's okay, little buddy. Because um, my grandma passed away. She's 92, so she lived a long time. We're not talking like uh, Betty White level, but she's up there. Um, en Encarnacion Bensuelo Torona. It's obviously not from the white side of my family. Um, and I just think it's fascinating. And I just got to get, I need to get it out of my system. Otherwise, it'll just be bubbling the whole sermon. Um, so while I'm talking about this story for my therapy, flip to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, um, or scroll there. If you're new, we have a Bible app code in the back. If you have the Version Bible app, you don't have to go scan the code right now. You can actually go on the bottom of the app. Oh, that's a Bible reading plan with my kid that I'm doing. On the bottom of the app, there's little menu bars, and you can hit the menu and look, scroll to events, and, uh, and the events will come up where it says more. It says more down here, hit events, and then because your phone is tracking you and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg are knowing your life, the chapel at Fishhawk will pop right up. Um, Encarnacion Bensuelo Torona, my grandfather who passed away in 2011, uh, his name was Angel, or Angel. Um, so I think it's funny that we have an angel here, but it's a she. And the, they were grandparents that I lived in their back house for many years. They were grandparents who grew up Catholic. My grandfather started to go to Jesuit school uh, to become a Jesuit priest, and then he met my grandma, who was a smoke show, as the kids say, a stone-cold hottie. Um, I should have put a picture of her up there, but it's the, my favorite picture of her. She's got, like, this cigarette, and I feel like I didn't want parents saying, oh, you're promoting cigarette smoking in the chapel. Um, so I just posted it in my Facebook so you can, I can promote cigarette smoking outside of the chapel, okay? Um, but the terrifying part about that picture is that I looked at him, I was like, dang, my grandma was looking good back in the day, because all I knew of grandma was like, um, like the classic Filipino thing, okay, which is we eat MSG, we don't care, and we eat uh, every Filipino kitchen, and I'm not, not the half-breeds like me, um, like the full-blooded Filipinas. I'll bet you if I went into your house right now, I could just put my hand on the wall somewhere near your stove, and it's just, just goes right down because the lumpia and the poncet. And what's that thing that you're going to make for me? Oh, yeah, the cow tongue. Yeah. You're not invited. Don't be jealous. 
okay? Um, my grandma would always do things to torment my bride. <clears throat> I think she took joy and pleasure. Uh, most of me and my cousins married Howleys, white people, and, um, and my grandma loved tormenting the white people that we'd bring to introduce to her because it was like, I don't know how it works in other cultures because I, I I'm not part of that, but like the grandma is the boss. Like grandpa, second tier, grandma's boss. And I know it's different now because um, I married Amy and like I see Charlie and Melody. I'm like, no, apparently in white people land, grandpa's boss, okay? But grandma, super boss. And um, the first time that I brought Amy over, I pre-warned grandma. I said, grandma, I'm bringing this girl over. And, uh, and she asks with stars in her eyes, is she a Filipina? No, grandma. I will disappoint you. And uh, Amy walked in, and we had a lechon, which is this pig. It's crispy. It's delicious. It's, uh, it's like imagine the Hawaiian pig, but with just MSG on it, okay? And, um, and we all prayed. And my grandma's, like, just laughing because she's going to make me eat, like, blood sausage and other stuff just to freak a Amy out. And, uh, and she didn't have to do that because after we prayed, um, me and my cousins, we like the meat that's on the face of the pig. The, sorry, just as a whole pig, okay? It's not just like a pork chop. It's a whole pig. You know, apple, whole nine yards. And we love the little cheek bits. And it's so crispy. You know, the ears get crispy. So all the cousins, we just go in, throw them bows. And I'm the second biggest one trying to rip ears off. And I realize halfway through I'm eating, I'm like, my very white, very Caucasian girlfriend is right behind me. And I didn't explain this to her. And I turn around, and she's just, because there's like just 10 Filipino grandbabies, ah, ripping a pig face apart, not even going for the ribs, like not even going for whatever, what? Oh, I go for the tail, but that's one person. Whoever gets there first gets a tail. The rest of us, we're, we're done with cheeks and, and teeth and all that stuff from the front end. So um, well, my grandma was this, uh, this person, and she was very um, firm and harsh, and kind, and loving, and they grew up in the Catholic Church, and, and my grandpa became a, a lectern reader at Mission San Luis Rey, and they were very faithful, and then, um, and then I became a, a Christian, and I told my grandma, and she goes, oh, like, are you coming to Mass? And I was like, I don't even know what that stuff is about, and I went there uh, a couple times with her after I became a Christian and then shortly after I became a follower of Jesus someone made me a, an interim pastor which was a huge mistake um, for an ego and a mouth like mine and then uh, in 2008 I was uh, an assistant pastor at a church in San Diego and uh, and if you don't know if you're new to this like we have we've got some former Catholics and still some practicing Catholics or living Catholics here at the chapel part of our family we've got Catholics We've got Presbyterians, Methodists, we even let Baptists here on staff. Um, we've got them all. Non-denomination, we've got broken people, people who think they're fixed, the whole gamut. My grandma had been in the Catholic Church for so long, um, that's why all of my uncles are named after saints. Every uncle I have is named after a saint in the Catholic Church. They came to 2008, they were so proud of me, I said, Grandma, you realize that this is a Protestant church, right? So I protest you. That's what this is. Like, we're Bible only, don't give a rip about the Pope. Don't know the guy, nothing against him, just don't know him. So I preached a sermon, like many of you have heard, and, um, and I'm walking out into the patio afterwards to go talk to Incarnation. My, my grandpa's name is Incarnation, you guys, an angel. I'm going out and meet an angel and the incarnate grandmother. 
on the patio, and they're crying. And if I can't explain what it's like, I should have brought a picture. Um, so like Gia looks like a lot of my aunts. So if you don't know what a Filipino looks like, she's a better example of one than I am. Okay. And um, and she's crying, just a cute, short, old lady, five foot nothing. Uh, my grandpa's crying, which I never seen him cry. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what did I say? And I'm thinking in my head, like, I must have offended something. Did I bash on the Second Council of Trent? Like, I don't know what I did. And, um, and I said, Grandma, are you okay? And she said, we never knew that salvation was free. And I'm like, well, well, Encarnacion Banzuela Torona. Let me tell you. So we all cried and hugged, and we talked about Jesus over the last uh, 12 uh, years or so. And it's something that's in religion. And it's that we're going to hear today. And these words are going to fly right through and over us because we've heard them so many times. But until you understand how free this all is, until you can let go of control, until you can let go of your need to prove yourself or your worthiness, this passage will just sound like a hallmark card, and it annoys me that it will sound that way to some of us this morning. So Lord, those who have ears to hear this morning, including me, let us hear your word and not some platitude, not just some fix-up-ourselves message, but the gospel, the good news that you could and would and have and will reach into lives of people who have been trying to earn your love forever, and you will shatter that notion that we will understand one-way love in a meaningful way this morning. In Jesus' name. Verse 7, it's not, on the, it's not on the thing right here. Our tech guy said, just make them open their Bibles. And I was thinking, nobody even owns Bibles. And now none of you did resolute. Did I just hear a Bible thump? If you have a Bible, can you give me a... <gasps> you guys. I'm taking my shirt off. Hold on. <laughs> now I got to preach, okay? My gosh, Bree, my muscles are getting so big I can barely take this off. kidding. Amy, if you're watching at home, don't lust. Actually, no, by all means, lust. You're my wife. You do you, girl. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Where is love from? Nowhere else. Well, the other people that don't know God love. God, God made the world. So there's nobody who has a capacity for any amount of love apart from God because God is love and our ability to love whether you're a Christian whether you're a Muslim whether you're a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness whether you're a Hindu like love originates from God himself it's who he is it's how he made the world to be and whoever loves now in this specific way is going to transition in because he wants to talk about biblical love and how to become and what it means to be a follower of God and we don't need to read this only through a Christian lens. I need you to understand that this is written for all people to know. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, the question should be, I know people who love who are not born of God. And this is what I love about this passage. 
Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is what? God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. This is how we know that God is love. And this is where we zoom in. And this is where every other worldview gets eliminated. I know that a theme in our culture is include everyone, unity among everyone, but I don't think that we all define that word the same. Unity doesn't mean we can have differences and get along. Nowadays, it seems that unity means you better agree with what I say or we're not unified. But this is where Christianity draws the hard and fast line. You want to know what God's love is? This is God's love. This is how it was manifest. This is how we see it. God sent his only son into the world so that we might, might live through him. We might live through Jesus. God sent his son so that we might live through him. This is how we know that God is love. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the satisfaction. He, he saw our ledger of, of wrong, and he said, I'm paying it in full. It's like when the bill comes to the table. Do you remember? We Married people don't remember this. Dating people, this must be so fun. I wish I could go uh, on a date just to try this. I want to see what it feels like, because I don't understand the whole dating scene. There's a, a couple younger people I've been hanging out with, and I've been poking fun at all the terms. And we went over this before, right? Kids nowadays, they don't do what we did. Um, if you grew up before the internet, here's how you dated. Hey, I like you. Do you want to go out? Let's go out. And then you went on a date, and you were dating. But now there's all these gray areas. First you see them. And that sounds stalkerish to a Gen Xer, like just looking at you, girl. What, can you define a relationship? I'm a looking at you. And you could see someone for months before you, or no, you talk to them, and then you see them, and then you date them. And I don't even know if these kids know what marriage is. Sorry, I'm emotionally unstable. I, never mind, don't say it. Okay. God loved us when we wanted nothing to do with him while we were enemies. Christ died for us. We're not down here searching for God. Oh, oh God, please come down and give me your mercy. No, we're a bunch of self-centered, downward-looking people, self-centered people. And God said, I'm going to love you while you don't like me. I'm going to send Jesus for you even though you weren't looking. There was this whole movement in the 1990s called the seeker-sensitive church movement. And it's not that I have a, anything against the seeker-sensitive church movement, except for all these things I'm about to say. Um, None are seeking God, no, not even one. That's a verse from Romans chapter 3. And then someone said, you know what we should do? We should make a church that seeks those. That we, we're going to reach those who are seeking the Lord. I'm like, nobody's seeking him. It says it right here. I don't have a PhD, but I can read three words. None are looking. So I decided that um, a seeker-sensitive church is what we are here at the chapel. We are a seeker-sensitive church. Because there's only one person seeking. It's God. And I'm sensitive to what God has to say, whether you or I or anyone else likes it or not. So God is the seeker. And I want, God, I want to be sensitive. What are you doing? What do you have to say with all the stuff that's going on in our world? 
Like, we've got these tributes, and I'm sure she was a rad person to, like, Betty White died. And we got all sad. And I'm not going to lie, I was angry. I'm like, my grandma dies, and nobody really cares except for my family. And some other old fart dies, and we're all crying and doing New Year's Eve tributes. Sorry, Betty White, rest in peace, whatever. If she didn't know Jesus, it's not resting in, never mind, Ryan, Bible. Okay. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, verse 11. Beloved, if God loved us in this way, he sent his son when we were looking. He sought us when we didn't seek him. We are the sheep that ran away. He's the shepherd who came to find us. We're the coin that got lost. He's the person who swept the house to get us. This is Jesus. This is God's plan from the beginning. If God loved us like this, we also ought to love one another. Remember in the Bible, don't let your oughts come before what God has done. It's indicative and imperative. You always look at what God has done before you look at what you ought to do. And the Bible is built like this. The Bible says, here's what God did. In light of that, now you can do this. And we get it flipped in Christianity. We think, if I do this, then I'll be loved. Then God will accept me. And if you live your life this way, your life will be a religious just swamp walk. You'll be going through and it will be hard and difficult and you will suffer loss. And you won't know what to do because your feet will be firmly planted on your ability to do right and do good. And your standing before God has nothing to do with you. Zero to do with you. Absolutely nil to do with you. What's another word for zero? Zilch, nada, zero, nothing. While you were not yet looking, God said, I'm coming. It's called one-way love. He came down to save you and to save me. And it, because he did that, now we can love people who bug us. Because God's love abides in you. There's this verse that John sets in, and remember, first John is battling one of the doctrines at the time of this letter, which said Jesus didn't come in the flesh. He was only this ethereal spirit thing um, in the Gnostic view. Um, so there's verses like verse 12, no one has ever seen God, and we know Exodus 33, um, Moses said, God, show me your glory. Moses, the guy with the Ten Commandments back in the day, second book of the Bible, show me your glory, God. And God says, if I do, you're, you're dust. But here's what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm just going to cover your eyes, which, how does God even cover your eyes? Like, hand? Fog? I don't, never mind. Co Moses, I'm going to cover your eyes. I'm going to pass by, and I'm going to let you see, like, just catch a whiff of the drift, okay? You get the leftover glory trail. And Moses saw that, and it turned his beard gray. Turned his face shining, at least according to the Charlton Heston movie. Every time I see a gray beard, I can't help but to think of it. Like, Edwin's seen the, seen the Jesus glory. Dave Mata said, our bass player, he's seen some glory. Well, I guess now they look in the mirror and they're seeing some glory. Glory, glory, hallelujah. So no one has seen God that John is talking to. This is the Father who sits enthroned. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So God's love gets developed as we love others. You know why that's so funny to me? It is so darn hard to love other people. If you think it's easy to love people, you just don't have people. Like, just pick one person in your life. I'm going to love this person hard. We call that marriage, for those of you who are seeing, talking, dating, thinking, whatever you do to each other. Marriage isn't just this institution where we say, you know what? 
I like the way they look and cook, so I'm going to make up mine forever and put a ring on it like she said, Beyonce. That's not, marriage is, I'm going to press into someone and I'm going to love them and I'm going to open myself up to be extremely damaged by them so that I can continue to love them. And some of us fail in this love. I fail in this love all the time. I fail in loving my wife. I fail in loving my kids. Thank be to God that God never fails in loving me and he gives me this living experiment where I get to see how sucky I can be. Marriage, kids. And my marriage is pretty rad, actually. Like as a pastor, I get little peeks into lots of marriages and it sends me home thinking, whew, at least we're not on fire like all the other ones. As a pastor, I've walked with people through the heartbreak of divorce, and I've seen affairs, and I've seen the gamut. And that's not the litmus. The litmus is, am I loving my wife like Jesus loved me? It doesn't matter how you've loved your wife, how you've loved your husband. Are you saying, man, look at what God did for me. I did nothing. He gave me everything. I didn't want him. He laid down his life for me. I had a record of sins. He had a record of righteousness. He swapped me, got punished, got abandoned, left on the cross where I should have been, but he was instead. And now God says, you get to try that out. So the next time your spouse says, can you take out the trash? It's not like you're getting crucified. Just take out the flipping trash. Or the next time you have an attitude with your spouse and start chirping or your kids. I mean, we could, this goes from fathers to wives, wives to husbands, fathers to sons. There's a verse that says, fathers, don't, don't provoke your children to anger. I thought that was my job. Like, I don't even know how to parent anymore. One of my friends wrote a book, said, never say no. It is a parenting book. I just read the cover and thought, trash, done. Never say no. It's 95% of my conversations with humans. Never say no. You know what God says no to? A lot of stuff. Like this book has a bunch of no's in it. But you know what we don't pay attention to as Christians? The yeses. The things that God has done. That he's just, he's, I've done all this for you. All you have to do is believe it. Do you believe it? Yeah. By this we know that we abide in it. If you want to know if you're in Jesus, you're thinking you're here. Am I in Jesus? Am I out of Jesus? Do I have Jesus? You're saying Jesus came and did this for me. What do I have to do? Do I have to like unwrap the present and make a funny face? Like, ah, oh, I'm so excited. Like Christmas morning, I didn't want this. I'm still mad at my wife about the Christmas morning debacle. That's another story. So how do you know that you abide in him? Because he has given us his spirit. I love that scientists and theologians like fought for a long time. And I used to try to get in these debates. I just don't care anymore. I don't have time. People are dying. People are going to hell and heaven. We need to share the gospel. But you know what's weird? You know what's weird about spirits? You can't figure them out. Like there's people who have weighed bodies like right at you weigh them, and then right when they die, like they're on a scale, and they lose some weight. And I was like, I remember reading that when I was a teenager. I thought, well, this is amazing. The soul comes out of the person. But then I found out that most people, when they die, they flatulate incessantly. That means fart for you middle schoolers. So then, like as a good Christian, I want to have faith. Like, yeah, the soul comes out of your butt. That's what I'm thinking. 
It's not true. You see, it's, it's just what happens biologically. Okay? So I just want to be a, someone who reads and understands to the best of my ability using scripture and reason and faith. The Holy Spirit of God will live in his people. How do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? Are you growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Galatians 5, 22, 23, 24. Are you growing in those things? That's the fruit of the Spirit. If the, if the Spirit planted in you, you will grow in all of those ways. It's a singular word for fruit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, so you don't get to just pick and choose like, yeah, 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 I'm much more loving, but I'm not very kind. Like if you, if the Spirit of God lived, the Spirit of God who hovered the waters, the Spirit of God who was breathed into humanity, the Spirit of God who indwells us with all the powers of creation, if he comes and lives in you for 60 years and you don't move or produce any of these fruit of the Spirit, you might be a little more loving, but you're a jerk for Jesus. You might be faithful, but are you gentle? Or let's do the one that's on none of our minds here because none of you do resolutions. Are you self-controlled? I went to the gym on New Year's Day because I'm better than everyone. Okay? And I was like, okay, it's going to be packed. I'm just going to go in. I'm just going to wade through all the people because, like, they're going to be gone by February. I'm just going to get through here. And obviously I go every day. Okay, just on a realistic note. I'm, my only resolution is to document my life this year. I'm not doing it. I don't care whether I'm a good person, bad, bad person, healthy, not healthy. I'm just documenting. So I haven't weighed myself since before Thanksgiving. And let me tell you, scales and scripture do not lie. Because your pastor turned into a big boy. You guys, I'm almost 250 pounds. It's the biggest I've been ever. So uh, my goal of scaring children is almost complete. And I'm just documenting. Just document, document, document. That's all I want to do is document. I want to find out what I'm doing. I don't care if it's good or bad. What am I actually doing in a day? What am I eating? What am I thinking? What am I doing with my kids or not? The interesting thing about the fruit of the Spirit, just document. Just look back at your life. And if you want an honest assessment, ask your enemy what they think about you. Ask someone who doesn't like you. Hey, what do you, what do you see in my life? And let them just go at you. Ask your kids. Ask your neighbors. Hey, am I a good neighbor? Don't lie to me. If you want, um, I could pasteurize you all so you can use my line that I use on people. I say, if you lie to a pastor, it counts as a double sin, so you better not do it. And for some reason, whenever I say that to church people, they're like, <laughs> whenever I say to someone at a bar, they're like, really? To which I say, really? You could lie to me in this building. It's a triple sin. Sorry. If you want to know that his spirit abides in you, do you have the fruit of the spirit? Are you gifted in the spirit? Are you sensitive to the things of the spirit? What does that mean? The spirit will cause you to confess Jesus as Lord. To confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Do you say this? Do you believe this? Are you quenching, as the Bible would say, the spirit? Like that thing that you're like, I, I ought to, but I don't want to. And sometimes we, we do that as followers of Jesus. Some of you, if, if you've been walking with the Lord, this will be a very familiar moment. You're walking through a store, and God says, and it's not, if you're wondering, how does this work? Does he like, is it James Earl Jones? Like, go prayeth for that womaneth. No, 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 it's not. It's just like, I should go pray for them. And if you've been walking with Jesus for more than like 10 years, this is the scene, right? You're in Target, or Target, as I like to call it, because it costs a lot of money. 
You're walking through Target, and the Lord's like, that one, pray for them. And you're like, I'm good. Mm, are you sure, Lord? I think that was my conscience or my soul. And that one, God, you know what it's terrifying? Because Jesus does these amazing things. Jesus is like, you can't walk, get on up. And there have been times, especially earlier, I must have been more zealous, where I'd see someone in a wheelchair and I'd be like, Lord, is this the one? And I tried. And you, you want to see some disappointment. A zealous 19-year-old with faith of what I thought was at least a container of mustard seeds, praying over random kids in wheelchairs in a, a grocery store to see the mom want it so bad, and nothing happens. I hope that when I get to heaven, God's like, joke's on you. I answered that prayer three years later. You weren't even there. Because we want credit for things. See, the, the Spirit says it's going to be all about God. If, you're, if your life is becoming more about God, God-centered, if God becomes less of something you juggle and more of the center of your life through which all other things are connected and flow and move, then you'll know the Spirit's in me. And we have seen and testify, verse 14, that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confess, confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. God lives in you. Just, maybe that hits harder for me because I'm homeless. You guys, my house has walls. It's got the textury stuff. And they, they're supposed to paint it and put in flooring this week. And then I get cabinets and counters next week. So you can finally stop hearing about my incessant complaining of my first world problems. But you know what's crazy? Like Amy and I just daydream at night. What's it going to be like with rooms? Now you haven't lived life until you've shared a Crest Ultra Whitening toothpaste with four children. Now have you even lived? One of my kids is possessed by some unnatural thing. I found out more about my kids than I ever want to know because we're sharing one bathroom. Four kids. One of them's a teenager now. One of them just learned how to pee in the toilet. She thought that you were supposed to sit on it facing forward this whole time. I, I don't know. Never mind. It's biology. Okay. So I mean, I just sit there at night. What is it going to be like? What are we going to do? And I'm like, we're going to lock our doors and sleep. There's a gator in the pond across the way. Leave our front door unlocked. Just let's thin out the herd, okay? Our kids are all going to have their little rooms. Their little, we have a kid's living room and an adult living room. Because I'm rich. Some of you are like, it's called a house. I don't have one. Okay? My... My headliner in my car is falling because my wife wanted floors. Okay? And I think, what's it going to be like? And I go there. I'm going to go there right after service. And I walk in and I literally can't help but to daydream. Like, I get to live here. I'm going to cook food on this kitchen. I'm going to find Savannah in this pantry. I'm going to get Silas off of this roof. Like, I get to do all these things here. I get to live here, and I'm so excited. One 
one one millionth of a fraction, billionth of a fraction as excited as God was. And I don't know why, because God says, I'm going to go live in you. That's like me saying, you know what, this one bathroom, this one room where my kids crawl on me, I'm sleeping on a queen bed, I'm the size of a queen bed. I have to share it with my wife. Every morning she wakes up, she's like, do you know what you did last night? Lived, apparently, I don't know. It's called sleeping. You took all the blankets and you just shoved them all under. I was like, what were you dreaming about? Nothing. Yeah. And that's like, Upgrades, people. Like where I'm at now, at my mom's house, I can walk just a few hundred yards away. There's a heated pool. Oh, my life is so hard. I have running water, an abundance of food, a grill and a barbecue, a mother who's letting me live there and save up money so that I can buy this big house for my wife that we get to live in and be excited about for three weeks until she complains about something she doesn't like again. She's not here today. I can get away with it. Um, God lives in you. Like, I know some of you. Just hygienically, okay? I got this new deodorant for Christmas. Not as a gift. I bought it myself, like, on Christmas, and it came a couple days later. Because... <laughs> I wanted to try it. It's all over TikTok and it was bothering. I bought it so the ads would stop. And you know what? I bought it and guess what happened? The ads stopped. No, they stopped. Yeah. Little Chinese spy government TikTok was like, we gotcha. So I got this new deodorant called Dr. Squatch. Yeah, I saw it. You want to come get a whiff after service? Come and get it. I'm wearing pine tar today. I don't know if it's good or bad. But I know my wife was like, you smell different. And I said, good or bad. I didn't tell her I got no deodorant, by the way. I just pulled the switch up. Like, I've been rocking Old Spice since 1982, okay? And I was like, just switched it up. Boom. She's like, you smell different. I good or bad. She goes, I don't know. I said, do you want to find out? And she goes, just come over here a little closer. And I was like. She said, I think I like it. I said, that's Birchwood Breeze. I've also got pine tar. You know what's crazy is that God sees how dumb I can be, how mean I can be. God sees how wrecked of a person you can be. God sees the worst thing that you've done over the last 12 months. And God sees all that and all of the humans and all of humanity. And God picked a people, and I don't we're not here to answer all those questions today, but he said, I'm going to live in. In. God who could do whatever he wants. Just hover. If I'm God, the pandemic's over. I've got a ranch on the big island. I'm fishing every day. I'm eating tuna, sashimi on the boat. I'm like making rice in a rice cooker. I'm just putting it on the boat with wasabi and soy sauce. I'm catching big fish. My family's all laughing because we're on our small little 70-foot power catamaran. <laughs> I've got a polo shirt on. And we eat the food. And I homeschool my kids, and they love and obey. And I look at my wife and say, good morning, sweetheart. And she says, good morning, master. And I crack open a fresh mimosa. This is if I'm God. That's why I'm not. Okay? So I'm not. I'm not. 
It sounds like a good memory, though, right? Or not a memory, a dream. <laughs> this is a memory. Never mind. Um, where are you loved in that way by God? Are you, if I'm God, I'm not going into any of this. I don't care how many resolutions you've kept. I don't care how much kale you've choked down. I don't care how much you gave up caffeine, nicotine, whiskey teen, whatever you're doing. Um, but God said, I love you so much. And I'm going to love you right at the right time. See, I, I couldn't, for whatever reason, God's like, I'm not going to have you be raised in a bunch of church stuff, Ryan. Uh, with my grandparents, I'm going to have you raised in this, like you're going to feel pressure until you're in your 80s. And it's actually right around 80. 80s when my grandma was like, salvation's free. It's free. God says, it's coming in. And we go, yeah. People say, I don't know how to worship. You just remember that all the time and say, yeah. People say, I don't know how to grow in Christianity. You start with that gospel and you don't move from it. I got in trouble. I remember when, when someone left the church once over this. So I want to say it again because I don't want too many people to come here, okay? If you are about to sin, any sin, you just look it straight in the sin-sucking eyes and you say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for this thing that I'm about to do. Try it. On your phone, at the beach. What, I went fishing yesterday with my 13-year-old. 13-year-old. Thir oh, we just went down to Little Harbor. I thought we'll hit the pier, do some things. You don't remember what it's like, and this is just, I'm talking to the men now. Women, you could just turn off, okay? Just beep, 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 shut down. Men, 13-year-old walking down the beach. January in Florida. Like whatever I thought was a weird bikini back in the day, Whoever's making them now, I think it's the same company that makes the Glide Floss. But you don't realize, I grew up in the beach culture, so like, and, and I've been a Christian now for so many, like 20 some odd years, and we all have our things. Bounce your eyes, right, Eric? Just bobblehead down the beach. Bounce your eyes off of those temptress, the Jezebels. Don't look at them. Okay? We say that. But it's weird when you walk down a beach with a freshly minted 13-year-old with females and glide and i'm like we're gonna go have a father-son bonding experience don't look at that heathen i got a new shirt it's in a cart right now a new shirt i'm gonna preach in it, it says heathens gotta heave <laughs> i think it's funny because christians heave and the goal is to preach the gospel right into it say jesus you died for this and i can't stop looking help and the difference is that now I want help, whereas before I didn't want help. And when I was a young Christian, I pretended that I wanted help, but I really didn't want help. And as the Spirit grows and changes and produces, now I, I'll see something, I'm like, I don't want it. God, I don't want it. And like Romans 7, but my eyes keep going toward it. And I'm trying to knock the tumor out of my brain and it won't go out. So my solution is... When my daughters come downstairs for the first time, they say, Dad, I'm going to the beach. I'm going to say, turn around, cheeky. And if they turn around and they're cheeky, I'm going to be well prepared. 
because whoever manufactured their bathing suit for that day is also the manufacturer of my bathing suit for that day. So I will put out a PSA to the chapel, say don't go to the beach today, Filipino whale sighted. I don't need that on the Instagrams. Because I don't know how to parent otherwise. I should figure out some way to preach the gospel to it. Like, sweetheart, you don't have to do this. Like, what, what's the purpose? Like, are you who are you getting attention from? Daddy loves you. Jesus loves you. Mommy loves you. You're worth so much more. I don't want you to just be a piece of meat. I want you to be a precious daughter of the creator of the universe. And it's all these Christian things, but I know I was in purity culture. Like, I kissed dating goodbye so many times, which means I failed a lot, in case you didn't catch that. You know who kissed Christianity goodbye? The guy who wrote, I kissed dating goodbye. He kissed Christianity goodbye, pastored a huge church in the Northeast, said, I'm done. I'm out. I don't believe it anymore. I'm going to find my own version of Jesus. I need to rediscover the God of the Bible. We've, we're so into self-discovery, rediscovery, be yourself. Who, how do you identify? I, I don't care. Like, I love you, but I don't care how I identify or how you identify. I care how the Bible identifies me and how the Bible identifies you. And you've been identified as a trash can train wreck, sin-filled, non-bobblehead and bobblehead and glide-looking, mind-straying, tax-cheating, fudge and paperworking person. And God says, I'm going to live in you because I love you. All of this builds up to this verse that I will just read for you and explain for 30 seconds so that you can at least walk away and have no anxiety for the rest of your life. Are you ready? There, there is no fear in love. If God loves you this way, you don't have to be afraid. Because what can shake his hand from you? Nothing. There's no fear in this type of love. But perfect love casts out fear, anxiety, worry, distress. How does perfect love cast it out? Because it's God's love. What do you have to be afraid of? Like this whole death thing with my grandma. I love death. And I've looked at death. I've realized that nobody talks about death. There's very few death specialists, as it were. Like doctors see death, but by definition, they're healers. They're supposed to heal us. And I've seen doctors struggle in dealing with death. They, it's almost like when death is coming, they just turn off certain parts of their being. And they give them palliative care. Here's morphine so you don't feel pain. We don't want you to feel pain. We don't want you to feel pain. And half the time I'm thinking, I hope this person believes in Jesus. Otherwise, pain. I'm hoping that somebody talks to the family more than just the biological cessation of brain function and hearts and lungs. What do you have to be afraid of if your creator saved you? After he made you, he saved you, he loves you, despite you, is holding on to you. So the Bible says that those who Jesus has in his hand, he will not lose. That's his promise. You might try to get out. You might be trying to squeeze out like day old Jello, but he ain't giving up. Well, what about people that walk away from the faith? I, that's like a whole other sermon and me being less angry and angsty and sad. This is what the Bible says. Those who God has, he's not letting go. God is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's gonna, what he started, he's going to bring to completion. He's not leaving you out there dangling. 
You might have fear about whether or not you're loved enough, you're loved more than you could ever possibly know. And here's how, how this works. As we understand this, it gets molded into us like a Play-Doh shaping thing. And, and we get this shape of God that is molding in us like, this is how much you love me. This is what it means to love. It doesn't mean I get to let people walk all over me. It means I, get, I give them truth. It means where I see sin, I want to help people get out of sin. It means when I see brokenness, I, I want to help bring repair and love and kindness and embrace. It's where I see people who are hungry, I bring food. Just very simple, tangible things because God's love is so perfected in you. And as he works in you, it overflows to the next person. In this illustration, I can't ever think of a better one, so I just have to repeat this one every year. The waterfalls in Hawaii come down from I don't know where. Just, they just come from way up high. And they pull down, they pull, and they go down to another one, and they go down to another one. And as long as they're going and pouring into the other one, and pouring into the other one, then the water in each pool is crystal clear and beautiful. You can gargle it and drink with it and just have a great time in it. But as soon as the water somewhere stops flowing down, it gets this green slick of slime and sludge and disgust all on the surface, and it turns colors, and nobody swims in those. Your whole life, God's pouring into you. Some of you are thinking, I just feel so stagnant. I feel like I'm not growing. I feel like I don't know what's what, what to do? Like, I, I have so much anxiety. I've got so much hurt. I've got so much pain. You need to ask, like, okay, God's pouring into you. Are you, are you just sitting there? Or are you going to say, I'm going to pour it into someone else? Because as God pours into you, we can become these religious fatheads where we just think Christianity is all about information. I know all the things. And you'll walk out of here thinking, I read and learned Bible things today. How is it going to change your life? Because as perfect love casts out fear, and fear has nothing to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. We pour out because he first poured in. And as you do that, get poured in and then pour out, the most amazing thing happens. Like You change. If you've only been getting poured in as an attender, try pouring out. I don't know where to start. You might be asking. I don't know where God's telling you to start either. We've got some rad people who meet in these little micro churches and they're family and they love each other. Get involved in one of them. There's information. Don will be out there at the lobby. Are you out there in the lobby today? Just answer any questions. We're going to move and redecorate in the lobby soon. We're just going to put a big yellow dot. Say, so if you need help, come ask questions here. Um, I'm going to the old folks' home tonight. Totally forgot about it until literally this morning. The old folks are letting us back in the Twin Creeks Retirement Community Home. Uh, it's a memory care facility right off of um, Boya and, and Bell Shoals. <clears throat> so I get to preach the same sermon every time I go. That's mean. That's terrible. I told you guys, uh, if you compiled all of my bad things and jokes, I would hit, no one's coming here. Anyway, I love you guys. doesn't matter. Jesus loves me. Um, no, they're, they're a dream, and I, I hope, isn't it scary, though, when they shut us down from COVID, and then we go back, and we, you literally hold your breath, like, who's not here? It's terrifying, um, so I'm going to go tonight and hold my breath. You guys are welcome to come, by the way, if you want. I had, I forgot. I have to go put strings on my guitar, I think, because I think I broke two strings last time I was playing, unless Jake wants to come play his guitar. That's no pressure, Jake. <coughs> um, just a couple songs. Um, fifth Sundays this month. Last Sunday of the month. We need clothes. More than clothes, though, you guys, we need Socks, men's socks, 
men's shoes, men's underwear, and a few a smattering of women's socks and underwear as well, or just women's underwear because socks are unisex. Um, those are gold. We need those. We already had our first big tub pulled in uh, this morning of clothes. We'll also get some toiletries, and then uh, on the fifth Sunday, we're going to make a bunch of sandwiches and go down there and dispense the socks and the shoes. Well, isn't, is, that, is that all I can do? No, you can literally do it today. You can go to Walmart, buy socks, drive downtown. I'll send you an address, and there'll be people looking for socks today. But maybe today for you, it's just to apologize to your, to your neighbor, to your spouse, to your kids. But pour out today, because you've been poured into so richly. And in this way, perfect love will cast out all fear, anxiety, and pain as God works his will and his ways in you. Let's pray.